I did, because we're we're actually sitting on the couch at Shea Shiro. Been a while. I know, been, been a while. while. Thank you, COVID vaccines, for making this possible again and making it seem like we might actually get back on set sometime in the future. Um so we're recording from Shea Shiro. Um we are on episode, I think it's episode seventy eight. Yeah. Can you believe that sometime? Uh I I I can't and then I can. Uh it weirdly, like just just because obviously, you know. I just remember them all. Yeah, well, this is, the, this is the saddest thing, right? So the saddest thing is that, like, I always tell people, because I'm always pitching, right? I am a kind of a producer, so I'm constantly pitching. I'm always pitching to other people. Like, if you want to know about Love Victoria Studios, then you just have to listen to our podcast, because right. we talk about everything that we are. The saddest thing is the only person who actually does that is me. <laughs> I go through the old podcast, right? And I'm like, oh, I remember we talked about that. That was so cool. And, like, if I'm missing you and I can't hang out, I'm like, oh, I just listen to Eddie on the podcast. All right, so... Yeah, anybody else wants to listen to the podcast, too. That's cool. But yeah. really, we're just recording just to hear our own voices. So we can walk around and listen to our own voice all that's day That's right. Uh, as, as when we have recorded here in the past, we have a very special guest. Uh, someone without whom none of this would be possible. Very true. It, yeah, it's uh, Old Lady Boo. Old say, lady. say hello, Old Lady Boo. She's going to lay me. <laughs> she just like nah, nah i'm not taking it nah, the lovely lovely boo jason's dog who he's had since we first met in I korea it's very special to you that way because it reminds you just how long we've been friends yeah, you know what i mean yeah, so yeah, yeah it is a very strange thing guys tell you about things you do in your life this has nothing to do with jobs this is life i, I took care of this stuff first before i even looked at a job but i have been married to my wife you know for 10 years and i've been with her for pain but the guy that met his wife, uh, huh? Mark, yeah, who's also English, met her on the same night. They've been together and been our friends for the same amount of time. We've been friends for 10 years after yeah. I still keep in touch with a lot of people. Mm. So it's a really, and we have Boo, who's the other, the other thing. So it's really weird to me that like that little jaunt, because that was one of the strangest things I ever did in my life. So if everybody wants to hear that story, because I'm always telling my stories on this show, I was living in California. I had just stopped being a financial advisor, which was the worst jobs I think I've ever had. I worked eight to eight Monday through Friday and nine to one on Monday, which don't get me wrong, guys. It's lots of fun to do that. Like, cause you make good money and whatnot. Man, I got burned out of that about a year. So I was looking for something else to do and California was eating me alive with debt. So I said, Hey, I'll just go teach abroad. That'll be easy. And the first place I looked at was China. China was, was far, far too cheap. The problem is you get a good job when I was in my 20s in China teaching, but then you would never have any money when you left. China. Yeah. Like in China, you'll be the richest person. You live like a king. But, but outside yeah. of China. And then I looked at Japan mm-hmm. because at the time, if I remember correctly, I think, all right, this is when I get to be honest on the show, which I would never be honest with you in person, but because no one's looking at me right now. So I think I was lying to my sister at the time and trying to tell her that I had a Japanese girlfriend, which I didn't have. I <laughs> I was just learning Japanese because I thought it was cool at the mm. time. Mm. So, but that's why I wanted to go to Japan to probably mm. get a Japanese girlfriend. Mm. That didn't happen because Japan's really expensive. Yeah. And then Korea. I remember, I remember looking at Japan when I first thought about going to Asia. And there was a forum where people were really excited because they'd found a place to buy cheap fish heads. And all the English teachers were super excited that's, about That's that. right. That's right. That was it. Because, because as far as like taking something further from me, 
Japan seemed like the natural place mm. because I love Japanese animation. I've always mm. loved video games. Like they are the, the center mm. for so many. It's strange. They're yeah. Eastern, but Western things that I like. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm. But it just didn't work out. Because like you said, I looked at, there are three different places that would hire you. I was even a go, if I remember correctly, I was going to sleep traditional Japanese style. Because I'm like that. Because <laughs> I, I always want to go like full native. That's how I ended up in England, you know, following a girl over here. You know, but I wanted to sleep like the Japanese sleep. And be like, yes, I will feel it. And, and, and yeah, that was, was going to be poor. So Korea calls you up and says, by the way, you can have a boatload of money and we'll fly you over here. And if you don't like it, we'll fly you back at the end of the year. And all you have to do is come and teach kids, you know, in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. That's what we did. That was a long time ago. And, and where did you move on from that? You, you were the lucky one. I went to Moon Kong. Mm. So that was, Moon Kong was like the better school from where I was working at the time. Just because they catered specifically to Westerners. They, were, they paid more. They had mm. less hours. They just knew we it was, were, it was a we were whiny sods yeah. and they knew it. You know yeah, what yeah. I mean? But you moved on to... I, I went from... I was at ECC, which is uh, just a regular kind That's of hog one. what I used to work yeah. for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. YBM ECC. That's right. And uh, then I went to Korea University. Seoul. I was very lucky. I was very lucky. What was that like? Just, just, to, make, just to make the kids jealous. They'll be oh, looking for these jobs. It and was be like, amazing. That's not available anymore. I mean, like when I, you know, when, when I first went to Korea, I had all the intentions to start making films and, and doing things, but, you know, we would drink a lot, would travel a lot. That, those, those first couple of years that I spent in Daegu were very much just an extension of college. Um, but when I went to Korea University, first of all, being on a campus is lovely, you know, like, uh, and it just allowed me to, you know, buy my first camera, a Panasonic DVX 100 mini DV, but it shot 24 P. So, you know, it was uh, the dog's knees and, uh, it was just, uh, it was just a a great opportunity to really start like my, my, my film career, so to speak. Cause it wasn't until I got to, to Korea university that really things came. Yeah, no, I don't remember us doing much of anything. Though. I, I said when I when I when I hung out I, with him, I, I don't even know anyone who was doing anything in, in no. Daegu that was. The- oh no, no, no that, that's not true. So okay. this goes out to hoping that sometimes maybe when I become famous, people that don't like me will start liking me again. This is a story for that one because there was Darby. Do you remember Darby? Do you ever meet Darby? Oh, that rings a bell. So Darby was a really nice guy. This is a typical example of how I was an asshole in my youth. I'm still an asshole, but this was a really good example of how I used to screw things up when I was younger. Darby was from Iowa, so Midwestern, like mm-hmm. me. Um, and he knew the same kind of circle of friends, so he hung out with, uh, I think, Dade Aaron. Okay. But there was this whole group, we all hung out together, and they all knew my wife. Mm-hmm. So, so Darby and I were, like, nice to each other, but Darby was, I think he was, like, really posh or something like mm-hmm. that. There was something about him that other people didn't always like. So I, I went with the crowd, and I wasn't particularly nice to him mm-hmm. at the time. Found out later that Darby was a writer on Bill Murray's team. On, oh, on a comedy, no he's a comedy way. writer. He's really oh, wow. talented. And after he left Korea, as far as I know, he moved out to Cali. Writing there for wow. He That's always cool. wanted to get together with me and do writing. And instead of being a nice guy in my twenties, instead I said, I, I think the exact incident that ha- happened. This is a typical example: is he shaved his head. Mm. He was a, a beautiful blonde-haired guy, had a nice like long mane of hair, and I someone convinced him, him yes. into shaving his head. And in typical Jason fashion, I was telling someone else how stupid he looked with his shaved head with him standing right behind him. So I don't think Darby and I, at least Darby and I weren't friends back then. It wasn't his fault at all. It's totally mine. I was a jerk. But, you know. Fair enough. Fair enough. 
All right. Sitting on my couch, so I just checked the text. I'm gonna have to. I'm not even gonna cut that out, guys, because that's why we had some dead silence. Because my wife's texting me from upstairs, so I was reading that, being like, "Oh shit, no, wait, we're on the podcast. I can't do that right now." <laughs> Sorry, guys, that was just wifey telling me something. So, anywho, today we're gonna talk about Invincible. Invincible, and I think you should grab just a little bit of audio from 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 that, and then <laughs> and then put it there, right? Because. That's easily one of my favorite things about the show, and it's such a silly little thing. Very good. So let's start with, just for, I don't know how many people listen to this, the first like 10 minutes, and then want to go back and watch it, because the first impression has made it so they wanted to do it, or they're just going to skip it and listen to this talk. But mm. first impression, said, we'll start with you, Yeah. Um, because you've watched it most recently. What were your first impressions? Without spoiling any of the plots, okay. um, what's good, what's not so good, who is this aimed at? Uh, that's a hard question to answer. Um, but I'll be perfectly honest with you. I was not super excited about starting to watch this. And I think it's because, you know, the superhero fatigue that people talk about, like, oh, there's just too many superhero things and and this and that. Yeah. I mean, I've been saying that. Yeah. I'm, I'm not, I've never really been in that camp. Okay. But when it comes to these kind of like gritty... Like, what would really happen if, if people had superpowers? You know, things like The Boys, Watchmen, uh, what, else am I, what else am I thinking No, those of? are probably the two, the two most obvious ones. Yeah. yeah, The Boys and Watchmen have been the... the but, you know, you had, like, Jupiter's Legacy that came out recently. I haven't seen that. Yeah, I'm, I'm about to say don't, but I think... Okay, so this is my point. Sorry I'm rambling, but... You're allowed to. That's the podcast. <laughs> Uh, I was not super excited to watch this because I was like, I'm a bit tired of this, like, trope of, you know, the, basically the anti-Marvel Yeah, let, let's talk together on this one. I think, because I'm right there with you on this. I think my problem was, I was like, I've done this. Before. Yeah, I've exactly. Done, yeah. I've done The Boys, so how yeah, is yeah, this yeah. ever possible? And The Boys is Amazon. It's the same company. Yeah, so yeah. I was like, how is the studio going to do, how is this going to be so much more revelating than yeah. it was before? Because The Boys was cool. But it's it's pitters out a little bit. Like it's it gets to a point where you're like, okay, I get it. They're all horrible human beings. Like great. Like that's yeah, that's great. It's, I guess the whole point is like it's art. So you you're just painting with a broad brush. You're saying they're all cynics. That's what we're doing. Yeah. So why I like Watchmen a bit better because Watchmen doesn't paint with a brush. It just says, well, characters won't do exactly what you think they will. Right. You know what I mean? Like right. we're not gonna make every single one the exact same. But yeah. You know what I mean? I just think there's more nuance to their characters. Whereas in the boys, it's like all the superheroes are assholes because they're corporate, you know, corporate douchebags. Mm. And you're like, okay, it's the same problem I have with that kind of mentality. You'll, you know, you, you won't know this, but speaking of Steve Young, who's in this, mm-hmm. he's also in another film by Joe Lynch that we, we both saw, watched. Together, yeah. Perfect. Which, what was that called? Uh, I want to say like mania or high risers. No, it wasn't high rises. Like hysteria or like, I feel like it was one of those. Yes. And so, and it, and it was good. We were actually in the cinema together for that. Yeah. yeah I, I really quite like it. And we can talk about it because, because we're on the podcast. That's what a, what a win-win. I, Ed knows I hated it and God knows he had to listen to how much I hated it for the entire day because it just was too over the top for Mayhem. That's Mayhem. That's it. Joe and it was a good movie. The problem was the movie was good. But I work in a very corporate environment. And so when he made it look like all corporate offices look like this, I was like, you know what? Like, <laughs> it's too cliche. Mm. So I was worried like you were. Sorry, just stealing your time here. But I was worried like you are that Invincible was going to be cliche. That mm-hmm. it was just going to be, you know, someone trying to say something intelligent. And cliche is when you try to say something intelligent, but someone's already said it before. So right. you're like, ah, 
Right, you know, right. Yeah, no duh. But having said that, I really, really liked it. Yes. I thought that it, it had some elements of nostalgia because it had a little bit of a Saturday morning cartoon thing going on. Absolutely. And um, it had, uh, like, the violence in it is phenomenal. It's like anime, Japanese manga level. Okay, because so that's violence. the other thing I wanted, wanted to bring up with this, where this differs. Mm. Because this is almost an evolution of your Saturday morning cartoons. Saturday morning's cart- came, cartoons came about, from what I understand at least, mm. from Japanese studios. Mm. So you actually had anime people making Transformers okay. and G.I. Joe and all yeah, that yeah. at first. Yeah, yeah. But obviously, like cartoons change after that. Like I told you, Saturday morning's cartoons is cancelled in America. Mm-hmm. And then the cartoons end up taking a different, more Disney approach, I would mm. say, for a mm. lot of it. And then everybody adopts 3D. Mm. And so you get away from kind of drawing these, these uber things. While in Japan... Mm very much the opposite happens mm-hmm. and you just have this grand growing of of you know because it's part of their the heritage art. anyway yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. um and so i thought that kind of brought it back in invincible so if you mm. like like obviously if you're a dragon ball z fan i'm not even a dragon ball z i don't really know I dragon really ball z dragon ball but z. <laughs> I, I understand the parts yeah. of it that people like because they're also in some of my favorite anime the big fights those epic kind mm. of like you know, Godzilla style fights where everything's exploding and people are picking up chunks of things. And just mm. that is the type of, of action we have in this, isn't it? Uh, yeah. And I would take it a step further, in fact, because I think that, you know, w- one of the things that, that I loved about anime and, and manga once I got older mm. was that it was more mature and it was, it had, uh, again, violence and gore in it, which. It's so visceral, like it's it's hard it's hard to to explain. I mean, I think about that uh, the scene in Hosts, okay, right, where with the, the amazing death, the, where pen, they won, the pancake head, yeah, yeah, where they won for for best death at Fright Fest, um, and like that's so impactful. That happens every episode in in that's this show. That's right. That's know? right. And I think it, you know it's it's one of those things that I started as it moved on. I kept feeling it was starting to be a bit like One Punch Man. You had you, you kept setting up there. One Punch Man mm. is another Netflix show. Not a sorry, not another Netflix show because Invisible's on Amazon. Mm. It's a Netflix um, anime that came about where there's just this dude that walks around and, and it's, you know, so good. it's another... Sim- I'm so glad you, you, you said to me, like, dude, I know you thought it was a little ridiculous, but watch it. Because once you, once you accept it, it's brilliant. It's another, it's, mm. it's again, you were asking for other examples of yeah, stuff. Yeah. It's another example of this. It's the, an, the it's superhero, another, like, twist kind yes, of thing. Yes, twisted. So it reminded me a bit of that, though, because there's always the episodic epic battles with mm. that one. Invincible had that as well. So... All in all, like, I, I would encourage anyone to watch it. The, the warnings I would give, because I, I usually let Ed give the intro and then I'll say, but. Mm. The but I would give, the first episode, you know, without spoiling it for you, you've got to sit through it. Okay? Yeah, you've got like, to get to the end. Like, it will not make any sense until you get to the end. Once you get to the end of the first episode, I think you'll be compelled to, or compelled to watch the entire show. Mm. But you will have the opposite feeling at times in the first episode. And I remember you telling me as well, and I think you were right at the time uh is it's very bingeable it's it feels like a really long movie in 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 a way i'm finding that with all the amazon because i i followed up invincible with with them and i think it was one or two weeks ago i was watching all this stuff on amazon because i was catching up with all these amazon shows that they're always the last one that that i put on and so yeah them was the same way with them was a a nine hour movie Mm. a good nine hour movie but Mm. a nine hour movie invincible i would say yeah it's pretty continuous plot it's not 
I mean, you can you can break it up, but but it's it it just compare it's it with like Mythic to, Quest, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Where we're like we're talking about every single one oh. of those you can watch them in, in isolation and they're fine. Oh, yeah. Okay, so this is the other thing that I think played against Invincible. I think if I'd have watched Invincible before I watched Mythic Quest, I'd have enjoyed it. Like I'd have been raving about it. Ooh, I'm interested in that. But because because I watch Mythic Quest and Mythic Quest. Like, I think to me, Mythic Quest might be the perfect TV show. Like, I, I was thinking about this the other day. <laughs> and I, I feel some comedy writing coming out of way. Well, I, I think maybe that's also why I'm, I'm so in awe of it, is because it's not just funny. It's also poignant. It's 27 it's, minutes long. It's, it's, again, yes, it's tight. Everything <laughs> is tight. Because we, we, as I said, when you're a no-budget studio with no money, like, the length of things really gets at you after it a while. It can be. It can be you're like, like, what's the point of, like doing this for two hours like i, I thought about the bad batch right because we, we did an episode on the bad batch we watched a, a, have you been keeping up with it i have yeah yeah, okay, yeah. cool um and but I'm, I'm much happier that yeah. the episodes are now 27 minutes yeah yeah because i catch it when i get my breakfast in the morning i catch it like 27 minutes is just again i hate to be this way because we <laughs> rally on the art side of film yeah of course. we're like no and, you and have to was, watch it but and, and, that, and that was kind of what i was going to say is that i love the first episode of the bad batch it was like two hours long it was like you know, probably way too long for anyone, but like a hardcore Star Wars. Someone, sweaty. someone who loved the Clone Wars. Yeah, yeah. exactly, exactly. Um, but um, no, this was uh, again 40, 40 minute episodes, right? Yeah. So that's the other thing with this. This is going it, to me. It felt like it was sliding itself more towards because these are the this is kind of the divisions you're seeing, and a lot of the discussion we're having is only because we are flooded with content. Yeah. Like, and everyone will tell you that. Like, that's not just an indie producer. Everyone in the planet will say. Jesus, we've never had so much to watch. Well, like, this is one of the things, again, I was thinking about this the other day, like, watch so many amazing TV shows in the past, like, six months, because that's, you know, we've been doing the podcast and stuff like that. And I wonder sometimes, would I have, would I have got to them if I wasn't, like, if in it COVID, wasn't yeah. part of my, of, of my job, you know, to... To watch this stuff because there's just so much out there I'm no it, it it changes changes the nature of things i mean the the unfortunate facts of film and tv that we know and, and we're not saying this to depress anyone it's just the truth and it's like you you can't accept this then you shouldn't work in film or tv there is far too much content out there to <laughs> ever be published first of all to ever be published mm. but second of all to ever be watched by everyone mm. and so nowadays with streaming on the rise i think you're very much now taking a more It'll be interesting how this affects story because mm. you're taking a more personalized approach now to what content people are watching. We don't all watch the same things on in America be ABC or NBC right, now. Right, right. We all watch kind of different things on, on you know, yeah. maybe there's a hot show here, a hot show there, but you're not going to be kind of gearing for all the same people at all the same time. I'm just interested to see how that plays out. You know, I mean, I think I think that what might happen there is is and it is kind of what we've been seeing is more. Uh, you know, content that has a pre-existing audience. Like, Invincible was is a Robert Kirkman comic book, right? Right. And uh, he obviously has a massive following. Is he the guy who did uh, Walking Dead and, and, and stuff like that? I don't know. Could be. I, I, th I think so. Um, Would but, make sense with Stephen Young, because they have yeah, a connection exactly, with Yeah, exactly, yeah. Um, so, like, I wonder if more and more you're going to see that. You're going to see people say, well, there's an audience who, who wants... Who, who likes this that's, stuff. That's so. the production angle. So so Ed's talking about, like, as producers, that's what we do, right? So the idea is you take an existing something think, or other. Yeah. The, 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 the theory behind that, like, it, it actually is a lot simpler than it seems. And I found this, I grasped it, I would say, pretty quickly because it made sense to me. Like, 
the idea is somebody's going to go see your movie at least. Mm. You know, if you if you pin it to, I think of like the Dark Tower and stuff like that, which was mm. a horrible movie, but people love the Gunslinger, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, so yeah. you know, guaranteed. You're going to have people in right. the butts at the seats yeah, now. Even if it's not very good. <laughs> right. And that's, that's I think, what filmmakers, like, especially the ones so dedicated to the art, you forget that part. You're like, but it was horrible. Like, well, it didn't matter, though, yeah. because the concept was good enough that it can get greenlit because we know people will go and see it. Mm-hmm. The problem you have with so much other IP out there is that mm-hmm. we don't know that. Right, so right, right. especially that's why when you come to us or you come to another set of producers or especially you go to the studios and you say, I've got this great new IP. Right. Listen, like it may be great new IP, but it may not be sellable for them because they might say, but no one's heard of this and we can't just create right now. There is not money in the film world to create new worlds the way Mm. it should be. And that's a real big disappointment, but it is the way it is. Like, I think that's why you have to like, you know, doff your cap to people who, who, you know, I I think about um, Carl and, and I love Benny, you know, and just how great that was, you know, and, and, and how, that could easily become a, a, a franchise, a, you know, an IP thing. You know what I mean? Right. But the release of the original, and that's a really good thing to bring up because, you know, Carl just had an announcement that, um, a couple of shout outs to Carl, by the way, because I've been seeing you on Facebook and I'm really impressed, man. He just secured with Sky. Mm-hmm. So all you people listening to this, if you haven't seen Benny Loves You, like now on Sky, which is where, in my view, it should be. Yeah. Like it is an, an English, English, it's yeah. an English, you know, Audience, funny yeah. horror and it's gory and over the top. But this is like, this is the crowd. Like, this is, the, like, you know, when you're writing an English, English horror comedy, this is who you want. The mm. Sky crowd. You know what I mean? So he's done that. And they're also, I think, in the U.S. now, they're selling a limited edition. Um, oh, yeah. Did the, you see that? The dolls. The doll. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and I know, God. you know, Carl, we've talked before. And I know all of this was, like, such a headache that you just can't <laughs> get away from this film. But in the same sense, man, you know, I just, it's great to see their successes because you work so hard on them. So, but that's the point. And the reason, I, I guess I bring it up, and the reason we're having this conversation that's not studio, though. That mm. is independent. And the only reason he's got the freedom he has, which I think he would tell you, and someday we'll get him on the podcast, mm. but I think he would tell you is you actually have more limited freedom than you think. Like, right. that's only because he's running his own show and he's done all of it himself. The more you branch out, the more you kind of have to pay the piper and other people. And so all of you, like, know you have brilliant IP, know you have brilliant franchises, but if no one's heard of your stuff and there's no figures already on the table it's just like a a business they're Mm. gonna say but you're not making anything right now you know Mm. you're not making any money with this right now so why would why would anyone go see it so Mm -hmm. i just think with big stuff like that it's it's the amazons are the only way to go you know Mm. what i mean so Mm. absolutely so you know what are some of the finer points of invincible that, that, that i think we could go over like uh well it stars Stephen young who plays is it uh it's not Hank Grayson. It's something Grayson. Um, spoilers, by the way. We're gonna we're gonna move yes. into full spoilers now. Yes, exactly. Um, Mark Grayson, uh, who is a <coughs> like high schooler. Is he a senior? I'm I'm, I'm not even. Yeah, sure. it looked like it looked like I, I wasn't paying that that much attention to what year he was in, but mm-hmm. he was he's a high schooler. I think he's on his tail end, so his senior yeah. year was last year. And uh, he is when you first meet him, he's not particularly special other than the fact that his father uh who's called nolan grayson is omni-man uh who is uh, a super and in this world there's like a team of superheroes and and the premise of of the story is uh mark gaining his superpowers 
and then becoming a superhero. That's, and, and, that's right, yeah. you know, what the difficulties and there's a lot of, which again, I, I, I like the, the high school element, which reminded me a bit of Spider-Man, mm-hmm. you know, and then it had a really good family dynamic as well, which I, I really liked. I think a lot of that is down to the fact that his mother was played by Sandra Oh, who's hands down one of the best actresses. Sandra in the world. Oh, is that is that Grey's Anatomy? Yeah, Grey's Anatomy and, and Killing and, and Eve. Killing Eve. Yeah, yeah, I watch her. I mean, Becky is now on like season whatever it is of Grey's Anatomy. God, every time I come down here, and I will say, Sandra Oh, every time you come down, she's delivering another blistering performance. Rushes it. Like that's the thing I'll say about Grey's Anatomy because I'll never do a podcast on Grey's Anatomy because I don't <laughs> think Becky wants to do a podcast. But let me tell you, like as the the husband who watches it to his wife who's plowing through the episodes. It's good. I it's mean, the, really sh- the, the, the Shondaverse, man. Like, it's, it's good. Everything. It's... Scandal, how to get away with murder. So they're all connected? They're all connected. It's really? All, it's, the same, it's the same writer, Shonda Rhimes. That's, that's, that's some... I need to watch actually more of this then. Okay. It's interesting. I, I, I got into how to get away with murder. I, I, I plowed through the first season. Um, I love uh, the, the lead actress. Viola Davis. Okay. Um, I, remember, I remember that one. My, my father-in-law, I think that's the one he doesn't like. Fair enough. It's, it's not for everyone. It's very, scandals the same. They're just Grey's Anatomy in a different yeah, situation. Yeah, see, this is kind of, but this is getting back to what we were talking about before, because this is that mass appeal stuff. So Invincible starts to take something that's more niche appeal and pushes it mm. towards more of a mass appeal. Mm-hmm. So... Because you remember, it's, it's going for the kids, too. There is definitely an element of this, just like I remember Into the Spider-Verse, that is playing into the, a much younger crowd now than us. Yes, certainly in the first episode, I, that, that's definitely the vibe you get. But I think that it's, it's got to be a, a, like an 18, whatever, right? Like, oh, yeah. No, I'm not suggesting. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm suggesting teenagers might. might oh, no, no, completely. Catch, I mean, whatnot, 100%. But, but that's what I'm talking about, age group. Like, people in their 20s yeah, yeah, would yeah. enjoy this as well. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean? and And... You know, people would sneak to, to watch this, I yeah, think. Def- definitely. How about we talk about that violence? Because that's probably the biggest element of it. First of all, maybe explain to the audience what you mean with that. Because, okay. uh, Well, first of all, let me just finish. Because the mother's played by Sandra Oh, and the father's played by J.K. Simmons. Ah, that was right. And yeah. you, were, you, were, you were talking about the family dynamic and the fact yeah. that you like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and you have two Oscar-winning people who were character actors and have been in the industry for decades just getting paid to be different characters and so you watch it and even though I, I pretty immediately I clocked that it was JK Simmons but at no point did 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 it like detract from no no he's playing that he's playing no who's JK Simmons by the way sorry uh, this is the stupid yeah dance. no he is uh you've seen Whiplash yeah you're right you're right sorry sorry i know this as soon as so so okay i did the same thing all right all right so this is so funny because i don't i'm not a ed's the names guy i'm the face guy mm. so i use amazon x-ray that's why i love x-ray yeah, yeah, ed because yeah. it gives me their face you not te- their name te- 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 and now you understand yeah, yeah. why it's better for me yeah, because yeah. i'm not kidding i can remember so many different faces mm. but names for some reason they just don't stick and there's mm. there's something psychological with that i have no idea yeah but um so I, yeah, I looked at the face and I was like, because I always remember him as the guy from Oz. Yeah. Because that was he one was, of the first shows I ever saw. Yeah, him. Yeah, yeah. And that was, I mean, I, I was and he's talking been, about kids he's sneaking been, shows. Yeah. I snuck that as a kid yeah. to watch it and it blew That's my mind. dark, man. That is a dark show. God yeah, damn it. I only watched it like Man, you'll never three, look. If you see ago? a BC, you cannot see him in any other, the, 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 the guy who plays a BC. 
in, in Oz and he's, a, he's an African actor yeah, yeah. and you can't see him in anything oh, yes. else without being terrified yes, of him. Yes, yes, yes. Because yes, he yes, often yes. plays a scary role because yeah, he's a big yeah, guy. Yeah, but yeah. In, in Oz, obviously, he plays the... All you remember him saying is, tits, I need some tits, man. <laughs> he's the heroin addict. That's a... That's a oh, such a good show. Such a good show. So many good actors came out yeah. of that show. Yeah, yeah, for you sure. You know what I mean? Uh, and so, so, yeah, Sandra Oh, J.K. Simmons, Stephen Young. Perfect, I think, perfectly cast for that. Yeah. And as I said, as much as I'm like, who's J.K. Simmons? Like, knowing who he is now, sorry, mm-hmm. guys, it's just idiot Jason. Like, I thought you needed that because that's, the, he took the whiplash part. You needed someone that could do, in whiplash, he does this really great kind of scariness to him. He has this aura to him, but he's not, he never really frowns. He never really screams. That's what I love about J.K. Simmons. He never has to, he's almost English. He mm-hmm. never has to raise his voice. He just and it, has a so way it's so funny of, that, he plays J. Jonah Jameson, who's the screamiest, loudest, you know. But that's his brilliance. That's his brilliance as an yeah, actor. And actually, the casting actor. in general... Oh, he, yeah, because Juno's the other one I remember him from. Yeah, he's, he's so the dad, that, right? right? Like, he's, he's so he's chill. So, he's so yeah. different. Brilliant. And yeah. then, like, you had, for example, Eve, uh, who's voiced by Gillian Jacobs from Community. That's know? right. Yeah, I saw that, I, I, did, I, was I didn't so realize. I didn't, did you I didn't not? Clock like, no, she's I, the I, best, I had to look it up. And then... Cecil, who's played by uh, Walton Goggins, who you probably don't recognize the name. Oh, no, no, no. I know, you know his face. He's, you always remember Walton Goggins as he always plays like the deputy. If you're a horror movie <laughs> yeah. buff, yeah. and he plays the deputy, <laughs> yeah. I think, in House of a Thousand Corpses right. is where I remember him the best as, but he always plays the deputy. Right, right, you know, right. He's right. always the, what's the, all going the Dave, on around? The David Arquette. He's, oh, what's all going on around screen. here yeah. now? You know? And, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and I guess, you know, the problem is in, in, in film parlance, you guys like have the shit kicker role, which is like basically a generic way of making out people where I grew up. Mm. And they always do that. They have the drawl and the, mm. the shit kicker. You know, mm. hey, what are you doing, man? And they mm. always play a deputy or, you know, something. He's great, quite, though. He plays amazing. He plays a trans woman in uh, Sons of Anarchy. Really? Like a, uh, uh, like a yeah, a prostitute. And he's, he's so goddamn I good I've never watched Sons of Anarchy. I, so I, my whole aversion to biker culture. I know, you know I, mean? I know. And, you know, you might not enjoy it for that. I love it, though. Like, because it's super... I think what you might enjoy about it is that it's very Shakespearean. I was about to say, a lot of times, like, yeah, a lot of times I give things, a, you know, uh, a pass because of, you know, something that has to do with my life mm. that has nothing to do with the show itself. So... I would imagine that's how it would be for that as well. But just just to round off some of the casting, because it is quite spectacular, you've got Zachary Quinto. Um... Yeah, Zachary Quinto plays... So that's the thing. This is a very... Because of the all-star cast, mm. this is a very character-driven story. Zachary Quinto's character has a side plot with Monster Girl, mm. um, which is amazing. Yeah. And Zachary Quinto himself, his side plot, which mm. plays out all the way through this... Like was also, but you needed Zachary Kinto for that. He mm. has this I mean plasticine. Spock, right? <laughs> well, yes, he almost is yeah, Spock. Yeah. I always feel bad with that because he originally he played a really good bad guy in Heroes. Yeah. And Silas. Silas. And I always then he becomes the good guy. Remember yeah, they yeah. switch him. Yeah. And then, and I always thought See, that's interesting. We were t- we're talking about like superheroes and things. That was one of the early ones. That was the wasn't that was it? one of the like, Genesis. So yeah. that's how we've moved on. And that was the first season is honest. Honestly, like one of my favorite first seasons. I think. Of I think for most people, what was so disappointing about Heroes, and I haven't seen they came back and redid a couple, like another season of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But had four seasons, and it fell apart dramatically. Yeah, it did. like the first season was kind amazing. of a little bit like Lost. 
The reason that is, is because the SGA, the, the Writers WGA, Guild strike yeah, yeah. happens on season two of Heroes That's and right. season four of Lost. You if you notice, yeah. guys, and I'm not saying anything other than if you notice, that was really the end of an era after the Writers Strike. When they come back, the rest of Lost is never as good yeah. as it was before then. And Heroes for sure, like yeah. Heroes has a half a season and it completely, like, by the third and the fourth season, people were just like, what? And I, as I heard, I've heard they've done a fifth or a sixth or, like, a reboot. I think so. Somebody picked it up. Picked or... it up. It just fell apart. And, and you know, in the same sense, like, go back and watch that first season, guys, and don't worry about the rest. That's what I've learned. That, like... Save become, the to save be, the world. Be right? less, yeah, be yeah. less of a fan and more of a filmy and more of a film fan, and you'll enjoy the mm. fact that we have one season of... Because what I like about Heroes Season 1, that is back before we had the cynicism. Yeah. So that's more, that's less postmodern superheroes and more like, wouldn't it be great if the world was an awesome place? Mm-hmm. And what could we do within that, you know? And, and it, it poses that, that kind of interesting question of like, you know, would you be a hero? Would you be a villain? You know, uh, which, which I think, unfortunately, a lot of the shows that came after it are, are kind of behind the curve, right? Because they need to do something more interesting. Well, the, the postmodern, in my view, and again, this is just my view, but the postmodern interpretation of that question you ask from a superhero perspective is, is that you're both. Mm. So, I mean, Omni-Man is a really good example of that. Mm. And, and actually, going back to all of that, so to give you a, a point of reference within Invincible, Invincible is going to, at least from the start, going to take you through the DC universe. Let's just get that out of the way, because mm. I don't like the fact that that wasn't really mentioned anywhere, that they've just stolen all of the characters, which happens in <laughs> yeah. comics, guys. That's not me being mad. It's just yeah, me yeah. being like, why does no one just say outright yeah, let's, that let's this, just is a, it. this is a parody of the DC because they have all the characters. The Boys does the same thing. The yeah. Boys parodies the DC characters, but the, this actually has direct parodies. So Omni-Man is Superman, mm-hmm. okay? However, because he's an alien, mm-hmm. you know, and if you didn't know that, that's a huge spoiler, so you just ruined <laughs> the show. But he's an alien. However, they go, and I really like this, they go what I call the Brightburn approach. Okay. Because Brightburn, which, if you haven't watched it, was an amazing horror movie, kind of like gem that got lost two years ago, mm. about what Superman would really be. Mm. And so, because it's always the theory, right? It's always the thought. When you love the Superman comic book, the whole thing is, like, the only reason he's so nice to humanity is because he's not a human. That's the whole argument. is because he's an alien. He doesn't understand that humanity is, is inherently messed, mm. right? Inherently messed up. So what would an alien really do if it came you know, down onto Kansas, America and Hadwin and Brightburn is the Jesus Christ. Look at this child. It's going to kill us all. You know what I mean? Mm. Another good example of that is, um, Chronicle because that's, that's about a human getting super Superman like powers. What they do obviously becomes like basically a hero all over. Right. right. right? So that's why I like Omni-Man is that because it's telling you, it's giving you the postmodern interpretation of that story. Mm. We used to think Superman would always protect us. Right. And then somebody clever got out and thought, hey, wait a second. If an alien what if, came, yeah. what if an alien came to Earth and had more powers like this than everyone else? He wouldn't save anybody. He would, mm. you know, we'd be taken over in a heartbeat. Yeah. And we only know that because of the way we treat ants and the way we treat animals right, and things right, like that, right? right? So, and he does that with all the other characters as well. So I think, you know, I don't think there's as much parlance played to the rest of the DC universe in that one. You know, you, you kind of, they all get kind of killed pretty quickly after the first one. Yeah. Uh, it's, uh, but it's such a good it's like it it's the thing okay so the the show especially the first episode to me is a really good example of how to get someone like into your your story you know like the last five ten minutes of of first episode 
are just kind of eye-opening and you're going to be paying attention. And I think that's really brilliant writing. It's know? the other reason it's bingeable, right? Because I think every episode does end on those big yeah, moments Yeah, yeah, like they that. do often have like, not necessarily cliffhangers, although there are often cliffhangers, but it's more like, whoa. I think Lost was really good at that as it, well. It is. Right? It comes like, to habit when you binge something like that, just to be honest, when it happens that, what ends up happening for me is I'll, I'll actually watch through the episode mm. and watch like the first 10 minutes of the right, next right, one, right. then I'll stop and be like, right. okay, that's Or awesome. you won't. And, yeah, you then, and then you're like, oh man. <laughs> and then suddenly it's 3 a.m. <laughs> like, oh no. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and just last thing on the, on, on the casting, because you know me and, and just being obsessed with the guy who plays the minor role, but I love him, so I'll watch the I, it is your thing. The guy, you know, <laughs> you're always just finding good actors for us. These are people we might actually be able to get as opposed to the ones that are like, no, no, thanks, uh, guys. But the guy who plays Rexplode, who is uh, the boyfriend of, of Eve. Yes. And he he's plays, kind of like the jerk. Yeah, he plays Jay in Big Mouth. Yes. Yeah, The exactly. problem is his voice is so recognizable. Oh, uh, okay. That, kind like, of pulled you out a bit? Yeah. Oh, big time. Because Jay is like, Jay's hilarious. Yeah, he's not, Bell. he's like, this is I mean, the come thing. on, guys. What are you guys doing? This is so, so stupid. It's Jason Manzoukas. Yeah, I know. His I, name. Love, I love the voice. Some of you may have seen him. Uh, he played Rosa's uh, boyfriend in Brooklyn Nine-Nine. He's been in community. He's, he's, he's been around for a long time. I first encountered him when I started watching a show called The League, which is about, like, it's a comedy uh, I think the Duplass brothers um, are the ones who who were involved in some way. But mm. that's the first time I saw him, and here he's just he's he's very funny and he's great as the as the douchebag. Yeah, no, he, and I guess that's it's not so much that it takes you out because Jay is obviously in Big Mouth. Jay plays I don't know how, how much you've seen of that show, but I have Jay plays like the not the douchebag, just a, a certain type of character that we all knew when we were teenagers. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. and he has the same voice, and so that was the problem. It was like. He's almost playing the same character as Rex Blood, but yeah, I, I liked it. What did you think of um, of Eve, of Adam Eve? You know, I was a little bit confused. Um, first of all, by the name and and her when she's first presented, but I actually really liked her as as the story went along. I liked kind of what she kind of went about and how she went about doing it her own way. Um. I also thought, like, God, her powers are amazing. She's like, yeah. matter manipulation. So it's, it's, you know, because I'm just going to come in with counterpoint, not because I disagree with you, but because it's the other half of the coin. Like, okay. I felt she was a bit story light, to be honest with you, because, you know, just because of the way the story was going with it. First of all, like you said, she has the ability to change the atomic makeup of anything right. on Earth. Like, she can basically it create like what she, she could wants. she be the most powerful superhero if she wanted to. If she is, she can just basically create matter. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. so that's God. So she's yeah. God. So that's the problem when you write yourself into a corner. Right, it's right, like, right. wait a second. There are definitely more than a couple of moments where you're like, wait, hold on. <laughs> Why is she just doing this now? Yeah. She can re she can redo anything she wants but to do. But to be do. fair, not just with her. There's the cloning thing as well. And well, and see, this is what I was talking about. So for her, her, her. One of the criticisms I have of the show, and it's mm. not a big enough criticism so they don't watch it. I'm just saying, bear this in mind because you're going to go through 10 episodes or 9 episodes, whatever it is, and the story does falter. And mm. it's going to because I find this is actually more prominent now in stuff like this. And the Amazons and the Netflix, when they're making these big budget things, you get like two or three quality fucking episodes. Mm. And then you get four or five that are pretty good. But mm. like... You're like, who are the writers? Villa kind of thing. Yeah, it's only because I'm like, I watch a lot of HBO because I love HBO Warner Brothers, right? Mm. I'm watching Game of Thrones right now. Mm. Like, I know people didn't like the seventh and eighth season. 
You know what? So what? Like, it's still I'm miles. Sorry, those yeah. episodes are still miles above anything else yeah. out there right and now. And it's like, but there were six seasons of the best television ever created. Still Full is. Stop. Like, even, even the new stuff, it just doesn't, it's not the same. I'm, I'm, I'm with you, man. I'm, I'm no, okay, before, where, Whereas when I watch Invincible or Them was less like this, but there were elements of this in Them. Netflix, I've watched a hundred shows that yeah, are like yeah, this. Yeah. That the Marvel, You get the, to like yeah. episode four and you're like, wait a second. Like, where are we going with this? Mm. Like, all of a sudden it had a lot of hotness and a lot of... And Invincible mm. feels like that at times. It feels like I it's really going heavy. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you have... And I think her story... It's not because I didn't like her story. It was clear... Again, maybe that was the problem with it. Sometimes it becomes... And I sound like such a man for saying this. But sometimes it feels like they're pushing the story because it's a feminist viewpoint hmm. and it's like okay cool you want to make a superhero story about a girl like that's cool but then she just up and leaves and like moves into a tree house <laughs> and i was like um if that's like you know a girl turning 18 and that's hmm. naturally how like she's gonna go with her life then fine but it was so unrealistic as to be farcical to me like <laughs> if she could have done this the whole time why hmm. didn't she yeah, yeah. and what is she doing now it does, like it does seem like she just weird. goes out and saves the world every day and then goes back to her treehouse like what? i guess for me the the element that i that i that i liked about her was as a support character for um hey boo <laughs> that's that's boo um as a support character for mark and you know that kind of like love triangle a little bit but more like look i know what you're going through because i've been through this shit like just you know i think so and that's maybe where where i would have said like well that's why you're trying to do too many things you're trying to make her a lead almost and say mm. look here's her journey giving her an episode but then two, you're also yeah, using yeah. the buddy system to say because you know i talk about buddy movies like you know using the buddy system to make him go through certain processes right, right, right. via her like don't get me wrong. It's not, and I'm certainly not writing these episodes. So again, I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to be critical more than to just say, when I watched it, I was like, oh, I might tighten that up a bit. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, I know what you mean. There was also that episode with, with William, his, his gay best friend, who they go to visit like this guy that he hooked was up a, with in college. Yeah, it was a wonderful one-off, but it was weird. It was, it was it a bit totally weird. It totally goes out in left field all of a sudden. It definitely like kind of, yeah, it, it, it derails from this group, like, like you say, a very kind of epic kind of story that seems to be That's building. building and like, right. That was the problem. And it, because it was, it almost, in a derails almost to deal with, um, you know, the other thing I liked that it handled, I think very realistically, but I don't really know because I'm not a 17 year old kid anymore, but mm. relationship. Yeah. Superhero, yeah. you know, Spider-Man gets away with fucking murder with Mary Jane. That's how you know <laughs> Mary Jane loves Spider-Man. Because really like, I just, oh, it was a great line from, I'm only going to ruin this line from Spiral. So I went to my first movie, Ed, mm. you know, went and saw Spiral. Would have had us both do it if we could, you know, all go. But do you know what I mean? Like, and there's a line in there about being a cop. And Chris Rock, good cop in that. Mm. You know, it's a good role for him. He says, he's, he's talking to this other guy. And the other guy just started on the force. And he's like, and he's like oh yeah, my wife's waiting up for me. She loves you. Like, yeah, your wife will love it now. And so you got to work some Saturdays because people don't commit murders during the week, commit murders when they're, you know, on weekends and holidays. So right, get ready right. to say goodbye to that. Do you know how lucky, you know, he, it's Chris Rock. So he talks like me and he hams it up and he says like, you know, like 20 fucking Thursdays are worth one, one Saturday to a woman. You know mm, what I mean? So yeah, yeah. it's just interesting to me. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm. like it, it was talking about how he has this girl. She really digs him, but she's kind of an assert, you know, assertive type and he's mm. not, but she's not going to put up with his endless bullshit. Right. right. And, and he's, like, he's, he's kind of trying to, you know, because it's him dealing with, do I tell her who I am? And, and, but he's not realizing that that's like not the point, you know? Exactly. Like, because that's the male perspective. The male perspective says every time, like, 
but I should tell her, I should not mm. tell her. And it cares about what you're doing. From a female perspective, and this is just me having been in 15 years of marriage, <laughs> like, from a female perspective, what does it matter? You mm. know what I mean? Like, you're, you're not there when she needs you there, so right. superhero or not, like, you may not be the kind of relationship material she's looking for. I just like the honest approach, because mm. it's the approach that should be in TV. Yeah, and I, I liked, was it Amber, the name of, of, of the girl that he yeah. dates and stuff? I, like, I, I, and actually, it might have been Zazie Beats. It was, it was Zazie oh, Beats. Okay, yeah, I did see that. Um, I really liked that character. I liked um, that, and again, I guess I haven't, I haven't read a lot of the Spider-Man, Mary Jane, kind of, that team I mean, relationship, they go through that, you know, right? Yeah. So there's always, that was always the push and pull of the, the, the 2000 ones, the ones I love, the ones with, um, with Kirsten Dunst like, you know, there's always the push and pull of will they, won't they, because he's an idiot. You know, mm. in the video game, if you play Spider-Man the video game. Come, just he, turn so that... So he, that uh, you know, Spider-Man the video game, it's the same kind of situation. You're dealing with the aftermath, so you're in his, he's in his 20s now, and Mary Jane's long gone, because right, she's like, right. screw you. Like, And of course they fix things, but, you know, the other example is the Lois Clark and Superman, which is always the less believable of the one, because you're like, yes, you're married to an alien that puts on glasses, and everybody just believes <laughs> he's a journalist. I did really like the, the fact that they kind of point out um, when, you know, people start telling other people, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm a superhero, my dad's a superhero. And like, my God, how did I never notice it? And somebody, I think it's Eve, she says, yeah, you don't expect to see a superhero at your school, so you just don't. Yeah. You yeah. know, and which I, I, I thought was it, kind of interesting. It made it, like I said, it's, it's a plot device probably, right? Mm. But it made sense to me. Like, mm. I was like, yeah, I think, I think that does make sense. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's Superman. The funny thing about Superman that I've always found, because I just got back some of those comics you gave me, because I love, those are probably some of my favorites. Somebody was, was, was raving about the Exiles to me as well, by the way. Like, so I oh, definitely so, need to so, get so those good. again. Yeah. <laughs> but, but the Superman comics, like they went, especially after the death of Superman, because I have a couple of those now that I yeah. get through this, this thing I've got. And they go back to like nostalgic Superman, like old 1940s Superman, which is the Superman I love. Because it goes back to not being postmodern. It's like everything's believable right. it's, because it's, it's there's a certain naivety. There's a certain tongue in cheek to yeah, everything. Yeah, yeah, you know what I mean? I, and I yeah. just I think you know I think post COVID we may head toward those times. Interesting. Because people That's won't want people yeah. won't want to remember the bad times. Yeah, but we'll yeah, have yeah. to see. I, I would tell you after all this cynical shit because we've had so much cynicism in the past five years, mm. right? I tell you, it's probably one of the next places to go to see that kind of fantastical realism mm. or fantastic, you know, the magical realism. Mm. Um, it, it's just that, that, that suspending of belief that I think is, is going to take over at some point for people. You know what I mean? We'll have to see. Uh, Dune is a bit like that. Dune uses practical things to, to kind of put them into a more zen-like kind of religious kind of thing. So mm. I don't know if maybe that'll play into it, but I still don't think we've seen it yet. I think we're gonna, you're going to watch that one where somebody's just made something that's fun. Mm-hmm. So Marvel's trying, but Marvel, even Marvel. See, that's funny. Marvel would be the ones to do it, right? So MCU would be where you would see it, and I still think they're wasting. Yeah, I think it's. I think it's just hard to do it in 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 these times. You know, it just it just is. It's a difficult sell. Um, I think there needs to be a change in the zeitgeist. They tried Rise of Skywalker. It's it's too happy. <laughs> we can't have people winning here. Uh, so use of violence though in this though because mm, I'm yes. still on the fence on that one okay and I, the way I say it is this way like listen it, it emulates Saturday morning cartoons so it gives you that vibe mm. it also emulates a couple other things in the story and talking about family which mm. I think you're very right to say that that's another thing that's always pulled out of superhero stories is where do these people go mm. you know what, what happens to superhero after that's where the Incredibles came about right, it's like right. well, what does the family do mm. so I think that's great but the violence like I think it's great as a hook 
Mm-hmm. And I think as a producer, I would always say it was okay and say, like, absolutely, that looks brilliant. As a fan, like, I didn't like it, if I'm honest really? with you. No, because it, it just, it didn't mesh well with me. I was like, you're taking, like, huge, gargantuan Japanese anime-style violence and putting it in with, like, Saturday morning cartoon superheroes. Like, it just <laughs> seems wrong to me. I I don't know. I liked it. I, I thought that, um, like, not pulling any punches and like just having people get eviscerated and not like making the, 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 the cartoon violence, like have consequences. Like I, I, I really like that. I, yeah. And I think it, it was probably most with Omni-Man because once he starts on that path in the show, mm. like the problem I had is there's never any hesitation. And mm. again, for me, it's more of a plot point because it's like, if he is always this brutal, with everyone, like, how has this gone on so long that no one has noticed that Omni-Man is an absolute stone-cold killer? I, I, yeah, I, yeah, I, I see what you're saying. Seven of the I, greatest superheroes on Earth, and he literally dismembers them in all of 30 seconds, yeah, and it was like, so how did that not happen before? It's so good when he, like, he smashes it's, someone it's against the wall, and then he just drags them against the wall. You love it, though. And this is a good one to and talk with two people on a couch. Like... Yes, because you you have no idea what's going on. That's why it works. So good. Because all of a sudden, like, I remember this. It runs in and says, who called this? And he says, I did. And they're all like, the fuck are you doing here? Mm. You know what I mean? And then it's the Flash comes mm. straight at him. And you're yes. you're pretty sure you're like, maybe Omni-Man's about to get his fucking comeuppance for this bullshit. Because like, what the fuck is he doing? You know, because you're he's with taking, them. You're yeah, like, he's taking you're, on like... The Justice League. You're like, screw you, Omni yeah. Man. Like, I hope they put you in your place. And then he explodes Flash's head yeah. with his hands. Yeah, that's and that's it. That's it. After that, you're done. But the problem I had is Omni Man goes from that scene mm. to being like a dreadnought the entire time. Like, there's okay. not one time he's like nice with anybody. He just literally explodes heads now every time he sees them. But don't you think though that that is what makes his character interesting in the sense that that is who he is, right? That's who he's been his whole life, and he's lived thousands of years. I, and then like he has a kid, and he becomes attached. That moment, there's a moment where he's talking about his wife and what she means to him, and. Like in my head, I was like, "Oh, maybe, maybe he'll get turned because because of and this, love." This and is more. This is going into this this other plot hole that I found, and it was this exactly what we're talking about. And again, this is kind of fan talk, so mm. you know, don't get me wrong. You're gonna want to watch this. You're gonna enjoy this. So you know, don't don't take it wrong. But if I'm getting into the nitty gritty of like, mm. did it flow perfectly? It doesn't because because of what you're saying, man. Like, mm. so you've got this guy who who has he's not a guy. He's an alien, mm. and he actually hates humanity. Like, yeah, he see he sees them, and as, I think he uses them like as ants. As ants, right? like, you know what I mean? Like, like we would expect. Yeah, like, yeah. if if a superhuman being comes here, superhuman is the key yeah. part here. You know, what do we do to things that we consider self much powerful for? We crush them. Yeah, we don't. We don't care. We, we about don't care them. about them. Yeah, it's not so like they give that mentality, but then he marries and has a son, mm. and then they they don't. At first, they're like that has given him some humanity, mm. but not enough for him not to want to decimate the human race. Mm. Like <laughs> it just, I couldn't buy it. Like I just couldn't buy it. And don't get me wrong, it didn't. And this is the crux. This is like the main plot, mm. and it didn't make it so I couldn't watch the story. Mm. But I bought. I, like I, I went with it only because I was like, I don't have a choice. Like, right. Like, like you've got. You've I like kind the main character, and, and I yeah. like everything else that's happening. But yeah. I did not buy that this guy is just going to yeah. turn on the entirety you know, of everything. Do you know what I thought was going to be the reason why he he turned? I thought 
that it was because they were actually sending their people out to the world because they were dying and they weren't breeding anymore. And that because he'd had a son and he developed powers, that they could continue their race, their, their species. I think you're right. And maybe, see, this is where a second watch sometimes helps with these things. Because a second watch may help piece together. Because a lot of times they may have left me breadcrumbs mm. in the early episodes trying to hint this in and the, I hadn't picked up In the up first them. episode when he first gets his powers... When Mark first gets his power. Right, because that's the big debate, right? Yeah. They're like, oh, God, he's not going to get his powers. And yeah. this is like this big disappointment. And he goes home and he says, oh, I got my powers. And his and then his is dad's that reaction. That- yeah, it's that night. And his dad's reaction is very weird. And, like, I guess it makes sense because uh, he now has to put his son through get killing everyone and stuff like that. But, again, if he really didn't care... And his wife is like a pet. Then wouldn't his son be like a pet? But that's that's the part I was getting at. It's like, where does this fall? He's a half, you know. Oh god, I was about to use the term. I hate hearing because I've heard it. But he's half breed, right? Yeah, he's, yeah. he's half of of, of the superhuman, this thing. alien race. Yeah, which that's right. And so called. it was just, I don't know. Maybe it's because I watched so much stuff with the Kree in it. You know what I mean? And the Kree have a similar mentality. So if you watch NCU stuff. Especially if you watch the Agent of Shield season five, that's mm. the one where the Kree become. Oh, I like that series. Yeah, that's it was a, a good really season, good right? But yeah, that's yeah, the that's one, it. and that's why I was comparing it to because that's the one where the Kree treat the humans like like toys. You know what I mean? And then I watched. Obviously, we have to do a podcast on it someday. That French film I watched that I loved. It was um, oh, it's an animation. It's so weird. The beautiful world. The the. It's, an alien, it's a film about aliens that, that keep humans as pets. Oh, yeah, with big blue heads. And they're and weird, like yeah. yeah. Like, whoa, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm getting chills just thinking about that film. Like, yeah. it's a weird film, it's man. It's cool. It's, it's a weird very, film. Very... Uh, yeah, Fantastic Planet, that's it. Yeah, he's from Biltrum. That's the name of, of, of Planet stuff. Um, which, I guess I, I, I did kind of... Because you're right, it's just a take on Superman. This was just is, the part that I was yeah, like, yeah. I was like, I just didn't buy. I was like, <laughs> I loved because uh, uh, Joe wrote not Joe Rogan, Seth Rogan is one of the producers on this, right? Oh, right on. That makes sense. Big, yeah. big comic book guy. Yeah. So, yeah, and he shows up. He plays the guy. No, I remember. Yeah. Oh God, what is it? It's one of the superheroes, isn't it? <laughs> no, it's the guy who comes to Earth by accident. That's He's right. The Martian. The Martian. He's like, oh, I'm, I'm sorry, man. <laughs> Oh man, I didn't know. <laughs> He's meant to be. You mean to you're not gonna? Ulrath. Yeah, because they they have they have they have these they have these discussions like on the moon together, yeah. and they're like, take a seat, take a seat. <laughs> He's like, oh, oh, that's what you meant, man. Oh no, 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 my bad, man, my bad. He's yeah, it's really, really. It's fun. very Seth Rogen, yeah. you know, and that's why I love seeing that kind of like people continuing carrying the flag. Like Seth Rogen is not someone I've known do a lot of stuff like this. But... Have you have you ever seen uh, Preacher? Yeah, yeah. I, I like I watched the first couple of episodes and I was like, wow, this is really. Uh, but but that was his passion project. Really? That's Very who pushed much, that. Yeah. It was hit or miss for me. The first episode really didn't do it for me, but mm. then I watched a couple more and was getting into it, but I never watched the past the first season, so... Yeah, I, I love the aesthetic. Um, I love the actors. Again, amazing bit of casting on that. But, uh, yeah, I don't know why. I, I, I kind of dropped it. But um, Viltrum, yes, is where he's from, and so it is kind of uh, Krypton... Well, the Kryptonians what, are like evil. I was going to say, what, what is the? I can't remember from Man of Steel because that had something. Zod's the one that believes in conquest, right? Yeah, like there's some houses that uh, that were basically like war warlike, and and they were like that's how that whole conflict yeah, comes about, yeah, right? Yeah. Car, you know, Clark Kent versus Zod is is always um, 
you know, the, the conquerors versus the meal the, before Zod. Yeah. So, you know what I mean? Like I get it. It's just that part as well. I guess maybe the other point with that is that's really easily stolen. Like that's, that's yeah. Superman and it isn't done that well. And that's, that's what I was just surprised about. Like maybe that's how the comic book reads. So what choice do yeah. you have? Right. Because, exactly. You got to kind of follow the broad strokes. But I the, just, you know. I, I don't know. It's, it gets down. These are the tough choices. Like the debate everyone always has about the end of Watchmen and kind mm. of like, you know, whether or not that was the right way to do it, was it the wrong way to do it? And it's like, obviously, I think it's done best in the graphic novel, but I don't think the movie version was that horrible. I just think it changes the dynamic if Mr. You know, Dr. Manhattan is the one who destroys the world rather than... Right, yeah, I mean, you know, again, the change that you make that kind of really doesn't make sense, you know what I mean? Like, it's it's um, sometimes you need to stick to what is... What yeah, is in, well, in book, I mean, that's the right? thing. We could do a whole podcast on Zack Schneider films. Because it's not that I hate his films. It's not that I, I hate think his films. we should do one on Army of the Dead. I think you should oh, watch it. I've no, watched it. No. I think you should watch it. But I've heard so many bad things already. And But that's okay. We don't have to, like, love everything. Well, because... <laughs> yeah, no, but, no, but no, I don't we, want... We do, we do tend to I don't, rather and, and be positive I, than... I, I, do, I do like to be positive. We could do it. I just don't, like... Listen, we'll do a short version of, of Army of the Dead now because I'm not sure if I'm ever going to watch it because here's what's happened. Like, I read press reviews, mm-hmm. which were clearly paid for. You know what I mean? <laughs> because they all were like, it's, the great, it's a great film, it's a great film. And then every single person I talked to, uh-huh. you know, like horror movie buff, whatever, was like, it's stupid. I think, I think it's not for horror. It's not for, it's not for fans of zombie films. It's not for fans of horror films. I think it's a very broad jump scare and i'm sorry i sound like variety and hollywood report i actually no i don't because they like this guy i sound like the opposite because i'm like who keeps handing this guy money to embellish this crap like how ex- this was really expensive to I make wasn't lo- it oh dude and you don't know like so okay so check this out you're gonna lose your mind over this. four hour dc hold and on, then this on, like on. so um and sorry one Jack, of the I'm characters sure you're a great great dude. yeah don't like don't, Don't worry, take it we, we shit on Kathleen we, Kennedy all the time. And we, we fucking love her. She's so you know what I mean? Amazing. Like, that's what I'm saying. Like, if anyone actually listens to this, we love you guys. We yeah. just don't understand. Yeah. So he cast a guy called Chris D'Elia, who's a stand-up comic from L.A. He's kind of slowly been building up a little bit, a bit like uh, Bill Burr. And, okay, you know. okay. He's, he's doing the rounds, yeah. And he casts him in this as the, the, the comic relief, the helicopter pilot, Okay. Turns out that this guy has been grooming teenage girls online. Uh, I think, I, yeah, it's another another one like this. And they had to replace uh, him. Yes, and they and they literally digitally replaced him in throughout the film with Tig Notaro, who's an amazing stand-up comedian, and I loved her in it. I thought I thought she was probably the best thing. No, no, and I hear it. It's just you know, it's like. But, I, but think about how much money they spent. On, that's what on I mean, and that's what I'm saying. Like. That's my business sense talking, not my, I am not an old vet in the film world. If any of you old vets in the film would want some company, though, I love hearing the old stories. But business-wise, like, you have to pay the piper at some point. So it's like, how much profit can Army of the Dead make such that it justifies the expense, along with what, what Warner Brothers, I mean, he's, this is what I'm saying, he's just had two studios shell out all sorts of ungodly money for him, like, is he really like? I need to meet him, I guess, because it's like I, I, there, there must be something. There's got about to be him. something, and his wife. I shouldn't, and I shouldn't say because his wife is always included. Producer as well, yeah, she's, and she's, she's a phenomenal yeah. producer. And I mean, that's what I mean. You guys must be doing something right. Yeah. It just I can't see it. Maybe he's like amazing in the room. 
in the room, in the pitch meeting with the executives and stuff like that. He's just... I mean, what was your final view on... I've already said my take on a four-hour DC movie, and I don't care how much it fits whatever world it was supposed to go into. Mm. That was a waste of money. You know, like a, such I, a I waste can't, of I can't money. be impartial because we've had we've talked a lot about this. But that's what I'm saying. You you can halfway be impartial, better than I can, because everyone knows I hate the idea of it. But I, I, I recognize that... Um, it is a it is a colossal out outlay on it's like money throwing bad money after what's what's the expression like when you're just trying to throw money at a problem right to, yeah to fix it throwing good money at a bad problem or something right good after bad or whatever but uh, like I think that he he has a following and I think that the Justice League thing was more about pressure from fans uh, because it happened with Josh Sweden when they cancelled Firefly and because of the pressure of the fans, mm-hmm. uh, it greenlit a movie. Yeah, Serenity. For, for, yeah, yeah. Right? And I, I think that this is a little bit in, in that vein. He has a following and he obviously feels strongly this, about... This is how Ed calms me down, by the way. He obviously feels strongly about like the work that he was doing. Now, I'll be honest, having seen the finished product And I haven't, just so you know, guys, so like yeah, I am I've, I'm I, doing I, a Jason, I'm bitching without having actually seen it. Uh I I, and I like the original. I can't say that he improved it that much. I think if you give any story more time, if you give characters more screen time, inevitably you're gonna get something more out of it. But Overall, did it did it turn it into the great well, and, Justice League? And here's here's my problem with that, Ed. So let's mm. say that cost two hundred million to do all that. That is two hundred million. How many low budget, micro budget films could we make with two hundred million? Unfortunately, that's not how it works. Well, and, and I understand that, but but the problem that's what I'm saying. Like this is part of the discussion we're having on the show because we were talking about mass appeal, mm. and that's the problem where we where we we as an industry write ourselves into a corner mm. because if you can only produce a remake of a film that everyone has already seen that actually ends up being yeah you know and hated and and, and make it longer and then not make it actually any yeah. better objectively sorry for a second there i was thinking of dawn of the dead you're still talking about justice League. no justice league yeah. right yeah so so you know justice league is made joss yeah. whedon finishes it because of the tragic thing that happens with zach schneider's daughter maybe that plays into it as well you know you don't know what happened with all that was it was a you know, I, a, a, I guess here, here's the question, though, from a from a you know from a pursuit from a producer's point of view, though, wouldn't you say, well, look, we spent all this money on this thing, and if we spend a little more, we can get more out of it. it it's almost like they're trying to milk it. You know what I mean? And that's like, that's, that's that, the point I'm getting yeah. to. Yes, because in other words, you have an industry that would prefer to squeeze on the things they already have right. rather than take, you know. Film is all about the gamble, and I'm 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 not bullshitting you saying that film mm. is the riskiest investment there is, you know, on the market out there. But it is an investment. It is a risk. You know, it is the way the game is played, and that's my problem. The aversion to risk in the film world right now produces things like this and kills other things that may have helped all of us. That two hundred million could have been given to a director, a, 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 at least a thousand of which we could probably think of, right? You know, that could have made something that really would have opened the doors to a new franchise mm. or a new way of thinking or a new voice. It's the same problem we hear about the cis white male story being the only one heard. 
because that is the one that, you know, no offense, Hollywood, but it's the one Hollywood likes to put out because it's when it's come out. That means that stories from the non-cis white male, the, you know, the, the, the female, the everybody else in between, mm. and, and God, I'm going to, ma- you know, massacre that state real quick. <laughs> you know what I mean? But there are so yeah. many other stories that are out there and they deserve to be out there. Which is difficult because in the business there is no deserving part. There's right, no, right, right. you know, this is this is when the hard asses in the film industry say, "Well, there's you know things get made because it makes money." Like I get that, but filmmakers and industry execs need to start thinking about how we make this money and whether that is going to sustain us actually making more films in the future or whether we're now just you know this is the fear the tentpole thing. And I think mm. unfortunately Zack Schneider, and this is probably why I'm so adamant about why I don't like his films is killing the independent film industry with shit like this. It's funny, though, because, like, Sucker Punch was super original. <laughs> but I really didn't like it. No, it was, it was... I mean, it was visually amazing. Yeah, and, and that's that's something to be said about Army of the Dead, and also, I think, the... the visually visually stunning. Visually stunning. Like, he's... he's he he's knows a, what he's doing. He knows how to make an interesting-looking film. But I think you're right. I think there's... He's, he's being given too much like too like not enough restriction I, I i think we talked about this when we talked a little bit about um tarantino and stuff you, you just get you get to the james cameron vibe like listen like yeah. james cameron we all love we all think is a great director but you know tell me one person that doesn't think he's gone off the deep end with these avatar films because <laughs> it could be the greatest thing since sliced bed but i've been hearing about them for 20 years of my life now i didn't like the first one that that much yeah. like i liked it enough to watch it in the theater yeah. i still don't own a copy you yeah, know what yeah, i mean yeah, like yeah. that's that's the extent where Avatar went. And this guy has been away pining away. Now, he's doing it all on his own money, so no one cares. Like, everyone's like, fine. However, James Cameron could have taken that money and read, read a whole well, new uh, sect of on, people. Hold on, Like, James Cameron is so goddamn rich after, like, Titanic. No, and, I'm just saying. I'm and all just, those things that he that. doesn't give a fuck. About anybody or what? Nothing. Nothing. So, like so, but that's. Would, but, would but rather, why should a person like? So, this is great podcast discussion. Mm. Then, why should a person like that be making films? Because what message does he have to give to any of us? I, I don't disagree with you. I, I, I agree with you. But uh, particularly, again, an older white male, right, who has had success, right, is given the kind of leeway that no one else in the industry <laughs> is given ever. Like you know, you look at, for example, the and we we did it. We did a podcast on Miss Marvel on sorry on on Captain Marvel. Captain Marvel, right? yeah. So they have not been rehired for uh, the Marvel or, or Miss Marvel or the, the next indie one. team that did that. Yeah, really. Yeah. yeah. Why? Because it didn't do very well. But I think that had it been, uh, did Miss Marvel? Did Captain Marvel not do well with you? Not. N- n- not it didn't do well for for MCU standards, right? I didn't yeah. know that. We, uh, didn't, we didn't check it on the show when we did it. I should have. I I just assumed it did well. I'm sorry. Uh, and um, that I think that a lot of a lot of that. I think that it is a question. I think um, there was also talk about like Patty Jenkins maybe not directing the second Wonder Woman, even though the first Wonder Woman had been a massive success. You know, like. I think there's... Ah, but, and see, then you can turn that on its head because the second Wonder Woman was, was terrible. Bomb. It was horrible. Right, but... but, but I haven't seen it again, so I'm just telling you I, what everyone else told me. I've seen <laughs> it. I've seen it. It was god-awful. Really? It was terrible. So since, we're, on, since we're talking about no terrible sense. superhero films here, we've gone from Invincible no to this. Sense, whatever. It just doesn't go anywhere. Oh, dude. It's like all about a magic rock that grants wishes and the rules do not make any fucking sense. <laughs> 
Like, what about the cheetah woman? She's cool, right? No, because she makes a wish and she doesn't ask to be a cheetah. She wants to be an apex predator. And somehow that's what the rock that grants wishes decides is. Did she say, fuck you, rock? I don't want to be a cheetah. <laughs> no. Oh, dude. And it's, uh, the, and the, and the visual effects are so I know. I heard so the VFX bad. were really oh, bad with so her. Bad. Really hard. Which, which was the year of not doing cats, guys. That's, yeah. that's the lesson. VFX Seriously. and cats don't mix. Seriously. No Thundercats reboot right now. Oh my god, it's coming. I can't remember who's working on it. It's coming. Is it live action or is it uh, I'm pretty animated? sure. You have to Google it. It's, oh, it's working that's on such it a bad idea. <laughs> and I love Thundercats. Um, <laughs> but yeah. Like, I, I guess, that, again, the point is, and again, not, not, not to throw this in Zack Snyder's face or anything like that, but he's definitely been given second and third chances where other people... Might not have. Yeah, we're just like, we're like, if we're on the indie filmmakers list to go to your Christmas dinner, like, please don't take us off because we would love to chat through this stuff with oh, you. Yeah, no, just, and, and, from and, our perspective, we do get a bit whiny, I think, at, at some point about it being like, listen, like, we have such a hard slog just trying to get 50 grand off of people. Like, you know, why are you handing 200 million for something that doesn't need to be made? You know what I mean? Like, we'll make you money. <laughs> well, you know. And, but and, the truth of the matter is, Ed, and sorry to finish my sentence there, because I'm making a joke here, because the truth of the matter is, we won't make it. I mean, we would. We would. Ed and I would, because we're that, just that talented. But in, in <laughs> theory, the, you know what I mean? Like, independent film does not make that kind of bones that they can take. No, on. it's true. And again, the thing you always have to remember in the background, the reason I think I am qualified to make these kind of like statements about businesses, these are shareholded companies. These are not, major studios are not your average independent studio or anything like that. They're not just owned by a couple of people. They're owned by shareholders who are scary. These are, you know, pension funds in America that want their money. And so if they don't get it from the, you know, from the, you know, the directors, those people get fired. Well, that's, that's the thing. And, and this is why if you have a hit or a number of hits in your, in your library and you are palatable to a wide variety of people in the sense that, you know, you look at a, a dude who's been in the industry for a long time and he's had some hits and stuff like that. Like that, it's an easier sell to shareholders then look, we've plucked this uh, young woman from, uh, you know, I think about uh, the the girl, sorry, the woman who, who directed Nomadland. Yeah. Uh, Zhao, I think is, is her name. Yeah. Uh, just won the Oscar for, for Best Director and stuff like that. Like, that's a tough sell, man. If you're a studio and you're like, look, this is a really talented person. And- no, I get it. Because like, like day job stuff. So, so not in current day job, but in old day job when I was a lawyer, like I, I started my job working for one of the largest law firms in the world, right? Yeah. That's how a lot of people get their break. And like, you know, the best training comes from those places. So I worked for a very big law firm. And then I went to work for one of their smaller competitors. And at the smaller competitor, I was given autonomy. And this is part of the reason I do this stuff now for film. But I was given autonomy to go out there and kind of get new business. So I went to people I used to work for, right? And I'm pretty good at a flog. If you guys have listened to you know, Love Victoria Productions on this thing once twice. So I'm pretty good at selling, but the problem we had is this. You're always talking about people's jobs. And so when I would go up to a guy and say, I want you to use me as your lawyer rather than my old company. I want you to use my new company. And the guy said, listen, Jay, I've known you, you know, five years, things are good. However, I get a claim in, I got to go with the ones I know. Why? Because if it goes wrong and something that doesn't work right, 
it doesn't matter that we're friends. It doesn't matter that I know you're really good That's at your what's job. Get That's the yeah. first thing that'll be yeah. pointed out, and I'll lose my job over the fact that I picked the wrong law firm. Right. So unfortunately, that is why every time I'm just going to pick the one I had before. And I believe in film; it has to operate the same way. If you're talking about a VP who's sitting on the board and saying, "Oh, do I go with this film or with this film?" He's going to go with the one that he knows the money. But uh, but, but I I do agree with you though with the fact that it is it's a gamble. And if you, you know, if you roll the dice, sometimes you can pluck a Jordan Peele. Well, yeah, the the entrepreneur in me would always tell you that is short-term thinking. You have to plan long-term, and that makes taking calculated risks. And I always thought, I'm very surprised to hear what you said about the MCU. And maybe that's just how they're trying to be fair, because I think that was one of the best examples of calculated risk. It was saying, Mm -hmm. James Gunn. I know, I know no one's heard about this guy, but we think he's talented. 100%. They must have seen him on set because, as I said, listen to the director's commentary. He knows every single person in those credits. It's ridiculous. You know what I mean? How well he works on set with a crew of, like, thousands. And, and, and to be fair, like, I, I'm, I'm, this is my speculation. I don't know that that's the reason why. No, it's just it's incredibly interesting, isn't it? Because they the, did a good job, I thought. On, I thought on, it was, I thought they did a good job. Um, and I thought that it was good enough to warrant a second crack at it you know what i mean but again and this is where other things come into play as we know marvel is a very particular sandbox that you play in you know it's not for everyone edgar wright is as talented as they come and he couldn't cut it like uh, for, for, for for marvel and, and for disney and it's interesting right because now i mean they still have a relationship now that was one of the more interesting articles i read in the last six months was talking about edgar wright was saying oh i talked to him all the time actually we're friends it's just we couldn't do this particular project together. I think that, and I think that that is why I, I really appreciate Kevin a lot because even though I obviously don't know him, I don't know what he's like. He seems like the kind of guy who gets it. Who's like, okay, uh, like I want to help people of color. I want to help, you know, uh, uh, women and, and inclusion. And, and I want to do but I want to do it right. And I want to make sure that we're successful. And this is the roadmap that, that I believe will get us there. And I don't think anyone and, could deny it. And that. I think that's, that's the point right there, Ed. So, you know, the only thing I would come back on you is you said he got it right. Like, that's the part that I think we all get it wrong on. And mm-hmm. I'm including myself with that. He's just a person that has made, you know, I think what happens to you in those situations, if you're a producer on that level, and I haven't been there yet, I can't wait to say someday. But you have to make a million and a half tough decisions with your isn't a right answer. Mm. Do I put the black character in or do I keep them out because I need this other actor to do this? Do I keep the indie director on it even though they didn't make me money on my last film because I think they're going to do the next one? Mm. Or do I bow to the studio who's saying, no, we can't have people in this and aren't making money? Mm. You know, every single time that happens, I don't think there is a right or a wrong. You just have to, you know, know kind of where to go with it because you have a vision in your head mm. of where the end goal is right at least in my stick, day stick, stick to your guns right. right in my day job where i have to make tough choices like that as well that's that's how it is it's always aiming towards what did i say i wanted to do mm. at the end of this what mm. is the goal okay we'll make this move for the goal i'm pretty sure kevin has an amazing mind for that he sees things in his big picture mm. so you're exactly right i just don't think it's the right decision i think it's just him saying well no, I think you misheard me. I didn't actually say get it right. I mean, he gets it. Yeah, like he, no, he, definitely. He just, you know, <clears throat> he has the kind of, I think the kind of, he's the kind of studio head that you want for your studio. And you that's what, what I mean. mean? I, and I guess my point is, he's not necessarily making all the right decisions. He's making, in my view, the decisions he, think, he yeah. thinks are right. And they 
are working out quite well for yeah, me. Yeah, exactly. You know, not all the time. As I said, you know, I wasn't able to bring them up because I was so cheerful about MCU. But, you know, it wasn't a, a, a sure ride for everything. God knows the early days of the MCU are probably the most interesting to watch. It's always really funny whenever I go back and I, like, because I, I do. Sometimes I'll rewatch the, the first Fantastic Four or, like, you know, the early, you know, Blade, all, all that stuff. Mm. And his his name pops up, you know, uh, back when Avi Arad was, was running uh, Marvel and yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. And, and uh, he, yeah, I mean, he's, even, de- he's even definitely early, been even, in the trenches. You but know? that's the thing, though. Even early Iron Man days, pre-Avengers, so everything leading up to the Avengers, because I think that was probably the first goal he set in his head and mm. said, I'm going to do this. Yeah, 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 I'm going to make this movie and people are going to go crazy for it. That was probably the first right move he made on it, but... You know, think of all the tough casting. The best one to read about that is easy is, is Robert Downey Jr. Because yeah, man, yeah. was the execs wrong on that. Right. But if you read that, guys, like, and this is easy reading. This is there's like a million articles on this. But no one wanted Robert Downey Jr. except mm. Kevin, or or was it Kevin no, no, didn't it even was, want him? No, uh, Kevin was was like, I, I don't think it's a good idea. But obviously, John was like, this is the only guy who can play it. Yeah, that was it. John Favreau champions, and Kevin says, fine if you say so. Yeah. Again, one of the most critical choices. <laughs> But it was on a, it was on a knife's edge. Yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. I so. mean, you know. The, Who was the other person that was supposed to be Tony Stark? Oh, dude, like they they auditioned. There were a, was everyone. Jared Leto one of them? No, I don't think so. I think Nicolas Cage auditioned. That was it. There was an article I was reading about all these other people yeah. that were, were like up for playing Iron Man. And I cannot possibly think of anyone else but Robert Downey Jr. Nicolas Cage having played Iron Man. I mean, that, that film would have just died. Depends. I was about to say, it depends if I'm in a good mood with him. Nicholas Cage is one of those actors like some of the times I'm like, he's so brilliant. Other times I'm like, why? Oh, dude, I rewatched Raising Arizona recently. Do you know what I mean? Like, I just can't, because, I can yeah. never remember like... He I, was, he was so, like, and this is the thing. It's because he, of his physicality too. It's because it's, it's like, I love the fact that he never tries and I don't think he has a choice, but like, he's never been like a Bruce Willis where he's desperately trying to like, even though he's old now, Bruce Willis is always like a oh, guy and you're like, dude, it's cool. Like, it's all good. Like, Nicolas Cage just always comes out as Nicolas Cage. Like, mm. he doesn't care what movie he's in. Did you ever watch, uh... Oh, no, sorry, that was, um... All right, all right, all right. Yeah, Matthew McConaughey. Um, Mud. Joe Mud is really good in uh, But he, uh... Nicolas Cage also did a similar thing. Out in the wilderness, he makes friends with, like, some, some young guys. And, you know, he's kind of, like, teaches them some lessons in life and stuff like that. But yeah, yeah. it was, it was pretty, pretty decent. He's still he's still a good actor. He's just he's just desperate for money, so he'll do anything he can. No, I and I totally you know that's why I love the actor. You know, what was Morgan Freeman's another one like that? You just see him in everything. Sam Jackson, you know, yeah, pay me. And I nothing wrong with that because yeah. I'm like that's how you should be. You know what I mean? I like, mean, I think as an actor, especially like someone like Sam Jackson who was acting for a very long time before he you know got was he really? I didn't know yeah, that. Like he was he was acting. I mean, there's some movies Hard where, to believe, he's, right? where he's just in the background. I mean, obviously the famous one is um, Coming to America, right? Where he plays the, the shotgun guy, right? Um, but yeah, he'd been, he'd been working a lot. Guy number two. B- before that, yeah. Oh, poor guy. You poor know? guy. It helps when Spike Lee kind of, like, you know, plucks you out of nowhere and, and gives you a role. But... See, right? But this goes right back to our point. Because this is what I'm saying. And, James and, Cameron, and, and Zach John, Schneider, yeah, like guys, John, be a, John Favreau, be a Kevin Feige, yeah, be yeah. a guy that's looking, and not to say that we want the job, because we do want the job. But I think it's more that I sit around with, you know, hundreds of the guys that we talk to on these Skype calls that we do in the production. Like, we want to do as much as we can for people out there to make good films and put stuff out there. But as I said, we have such limited means for what we can do, aside from giving you some decent advice you know, talking through it and showing you our enthusiasm and, and what little money we have. Like, 
it's out there. And I just, I don't always understand why it's locked up in things that aren't really going to go anywhere. Yeah. I mean, literally, that's it, right? It's like... Well, I do. Make... I guess I explained that I do. It's because some guy's saying, I don't want to lose my job over this, you know? Right. But there's, you know, gatekeepers, people who, who hold the keys, and, you know, you just kind of, at least what we're trying to do is is do our thing and, and, and make good stuff that somebody can turn around and say, you did that for how much? Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, here's double that. Go and, go and make something as good as that, if not better. That's what I like to hear. That's what I like to hear. So, I mean, Invincible, coming back yeah. to, to, to what we were talking about, and we'll close it out, because I think we're, we're a little bit over an hour. Way over, two hours now. <laughs> I, Scott, it's 9.45. Yeah, we're way over an hour. Um, Invincible for me, though, is not... That's part of the reason I think we got stuck on it. There's so many superhero things now that are going on tangents, right? Mm. This isn't a tangent, guys. This is actually quality stuff. This is pretty the good. Yeah. Story has some plot holes that I wasn't happy about, but I'm not sure what TV show these days doesn't, and that's okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? That's that's naturally how it works. I think it's something new, even though it's not new, and that's what surprised Ed and I. I was totally the reason I avoided this for so long is because people were saying it's awesome. I'm like, it's awesome because it's the same crap you've been watching <laughs> for. Well, no, my my thought literally was, okay, I guess like these people only have Amazon and they are not watching the 30 other things. Right. That that's Disney how I Plus felt. I was like, haven't whatever. we done and superheroes, man? I just, man, I really just did superheroes. I swear <laughs> to you. That, I mean, literally that's what I thought, but like, uh, I don't know. I'm really glad I watched it. And, and yeah, knockout performance Steven Young. I, you know, I said, I was impressed. I, I didn't think he'd fit the role well, only because he's a little bit older than the character he's playing. Bit, and, yeah. <laughs> do you know what I mean? But he does the teenage thing really plays well. It, plays it just fine. So yeah. it was absolutely great. And I mean, and that's the beauty. And of I wasn't like, like, um, he's, he's, he's half Asian, right? Like his mother is Asian in, in the show, right? Yeah. Invincible. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. He's half Asian. Yeah. See, I, I like that. I, I like that it's that, that there is, you know, uh, Miles Morales and and this. And, well, it's you know it's, what I mean. It's, it's the argument. The problem is, Ed, and and, and I, I'm looking at I'm looking at it if he's a white person, only because he's a little paler than I am, right? Like, <laughs> a little. <laughs> I, I I am white as well. I'm half white. You know what I mean? But the problem is the argument you get, and I sit around white men who do this all the time. Not at my job, but you know what I mean. Like sit around white men all the time that are like, oh. I guess they just wanted to push the diversity button again. Like, listen, and if you are listening to my podcast and you're someone that says it to me, nothing pisses me off more than when you say that. Because it's like, you don't understand what it's like being a person who looks white to most people, but carries a bunch of different races underneath. Because how hard is it, really, to make him half Asian? Or to make Miles Morales Spanish, you know, I'm sorry, Puerto Rican and, and, and black? Like... It's not hard at all. Like, it doesn't require anything no. new. And it actually gives you a whole new tool set. Yes. And, and, and a... And don't get me wrong, ladies. We know you've been saying this about female characters the entire time. Completely. Okay, the entire time. Forever. And we totally appreciate none yes. of us have gotten it until now. <laughs> that you know, is like... Totally true. But, but yeah, and you're also talking about a whole new set of customers. People who will go crazy for this stuff. Like, well, I, think, just, I think about Miss Marvel being, uh, like, she's Pakistani-American. Yeah. Right? Like, being Muslim-American and being a superhero and stuff like that. And, like, girls are going to go nuts for this. It's just this. cool, like, right? Yeah, it's just a cool it's just, new story. It's, it, you know... It, it, not yeah. everything... Not every superhero has to look like And it just, us, that's the like thing. It doesn't you, require like anything. It's anyone. just a story. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, it doesn't... Making a cis white male will not make the story better, per se, is I guess what I'm saying. It's one of the reasons why I've always been very intrigued by the film Salt with Angelina Jolie. 
Oh, yeah. Because that was written for Tom Cruise. And they just decided, well, let's just cast the woman in the role. We see it all the time. So, so I mean, what I was thinking of before, Ed, because you know this better than anyone because you work at a, a, a game store, but we see this with our D&D stuff. We're big D&D fans. If you haven't noticed the 78 episodes <laughs> of Dirty 20 that we have and the one shots and everything, but things that get me like first time a straight guy decided he wanted to play like a gay character and I was in a campaign. I thought that was awesome. Yeah. yeah. Because it, it allowed me to, to see something I hadn't seen before. First time a girl played a guy. You know what I mean? Like. D&D has opened my eyes to so many different story opportunities, not because of the person being that way and yeah. saying, this is my core identity, but right. saying, when you play as something else, you immediately have access to stories that, that you know, aren't being told. And it's seeing something from a different perspective, which you know. is always interesting, you know, which is, I think, also why I, I'm, I as much as I say, oh, this superhero thing, I'm getting fatigued, Jupiter's legacy, blah, blah, I'm still going to watch it. I'm still going to watch all of them. Because to me, it's like, it's the golden age of, of my geekdom, the things that I love, Star Wars, superheroes, uh, you know, fantasy, stuff like that. Like, can you, can you imagine like when we were kids, the idea of something like a Game of Thrones existing? I, I, if I would have thought carefully about it, yes. And I'm only, I've only been thinking about this today, Ed, because I was thinking about, I was watching... At lunchtime today, because I always put on something at lunchtime, I decided to start getting through Braveheart. I've got three, right. it's a three-hour movie. Great and film. The first thing, yeah, it's a great film, film. But the first thing I thought is, like, when was the era, Jesus Christ, that we all sat through three hours of movies? <laughs> I was like, oh, wait. No, wait. This was when my parents were actually coming up a little bit older than we are now. And they were coming up to reflect on their lives. And you had things like Forrest Gump. And you mm. have all of these epics about, mm. look at the world that we have created. Mm. So I think superhero movies will be fine for now, because right. that's where we are. We are, yeah. we are coming up it's as kids. It's our time. Well, it's interesting. I always feel a bit like a hobbit. And it's not because I have furry feet, even though I do have furry feet. Um, and people do call me do hobbit. You? Otherwise, I do have furry feet. Um, it's just the way it is. Um, but it's more because hobbits age differently. Like, they, they, they live past 100. And as humans, we're starting to do that. So when you look at... You know, and again, part of my job as a producer is to understand trends. And so that's why I do this. But if you're looking at trends, I say, like, what were my parents' trends for their generation? And you look at how in the 80s and the 90s, you had things like TV Land came in. So all of a sudden we were watching 50s and 60s TV shows again. But then you had these epics, these talks about the way life was and how Mm. it's so much better now. And, you know, you had all this build, this build to build, build. Look at the great world we've created, which makes sense because baby boomers were in charge. And it looked like they'd done a pretty good job. Mm. Head on 2000, and then you know, obviously, now everyone now we have 21. How's it looking now? We have now we have like hey, boomer, you know, because we're like <laughs> thanks, guys. But and it probably has nothing to do with baby boomers, if I'm honest with it, it has to just do with the way the world cycles. Yeah, we are on a cycle right now where we're actually coming out of becoming kids. And mm. I know it seems late because God knows I'm 38, Ed's 38, and it's like wow, I'm 39. I know you're 39 now, so we're old men, really. However, we're not in the world anymore because people are living longer and because. Mm. I think generations are taking longer to develop. This is us taking the things of our youth mm. and putting them into movies. Not us. Mm. This is John Favreau doing that. Yeah. Kevin Feige. But yeah. that's how it's going to be. The next stage, if we follow what our parents did, mm. the next stage will be us, you know, basking in the world we've created, which mm. I just don't see that happening. So I'm very <laughs> interested to see what the next stage yeah, is for yeah, our yeah, generation as far as filmmaking. Mm. Will it be a three-hour epic or will it be a ten-minute, like, please don't watch this? <laughs> like <laughs> like a, a ten-minute vlog. Uh, about just how horrible life is and 
So do you see what I mean? Because we are on this path of cynicism, and we have been that way as millennials for a very long time now. The one thing you can say about a hipster is that he is cynical. Mm. Like, sorry, I just don't know that many that don't bone out to you every little Well, you know, like the clothes thing, right? That's it's It's about being funny and being, like... Meta. Yeah, and, and isn't it funny how I dress like this? And that's, that's what I mean. I think you're going to have... You're either going to have a new generation, which is... Actually, that's probably my hope. Like, I always keep wondering if we're going to have, like, a, a, a Jean-Paul Jeunet or something like that coming out of France, where they literally are just throwing away all these ridiculous meta tropes and being like, I mean, here's a film with people walking on it. Oh, my God, the people are actually walking on the film. Like, things that become much more literal than they are. Because right now, the problem is we are a layered society. Everything is these messages that we send in code. And I just know there's going to be a point when people get so like that. They're like, can we just see a movie where the guy goes from point A to point B? You know what I mean? And it doesn't mean anything other than he went from point A to point B. I'm just waiting for that. Cause that was the, you know, the sixties. That's when they started to, you know, Trufon is, is notorious for just taking a camera and being like, I want to show you what films should really look like. You know Crossing what I mean? the street. Exactly. And you're like, what's that? I just think that's where we're headed. You know what I mean? Cause people are going to get so sick of this stuff, but invincible worth your time. A good watch, a very long podcast today. Cause we were on the couch and we were talking about life, liberty, setting the world to rights. But, um, I'm going to leave go on this one. I'll let you, you kind of sound us out, man, but that's it for me today. So bye-bye. Thank you for listening, everyone. Uh, Do check out Invincible. Um, Also, definitely check out the Mythic Quest episode that we did, uh, as well as watching Mythic Quest, because if we do a top 10 of what we've been reviewing, it's going to go straight to number one. I was born on the wrong side of the train track. I was raised with a strap across my back.